The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. From that time on, after Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give it in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming to his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Peter the blockhead is now a stumbling block. It's easy for us to laugh at Peter. He is often the voice of the disciples in the Gospels. And maybe we recognize something of ourselves in his impulsiveness and his desire to please or in his attachment to playing it safe and staying comfortable. But Jesus' rebuke of Peter is no joke. Having set his face toward Jerusalem, Jesus told the disciples that being the Messiah would mean that he would undergo suffering and be killed. It's the first of three such predictions in Matthew's Gospel. And immediately, Peter responds, God forbid it, Lord, say it ain't so. And immediately, Jesus rebukes him, saying, Get behind me, Satan. Addressing Peter this way, Jesus echoes his confrontation with Satan in the wilderness after his own baptism. There, when the tempter laid traps for him, Jesus said, Away with you, Satan. Maybe Peter thought he was speaking up for Jesus or even protecting him. But what he was really protecting was his own human understanding and ideas about who the Messiah was, what submitting to the Lord should look like, and how others should receive him. And Jesus calls him out for paying more attention to human things 
than two divine things. Peter proclaimed Jesus as Lord, but the prediction of suffering and death sounded profane to his ears. And he could not reconcile how the Messiah, the Lord and Savior that Israel had been hoping for, could also be arrested, tortured, and executed. He could not imagine how God could be present in the events Jesus foretold. Surely there would be triumph and victory not the cross, not crucifixion. But Jesus' rebuke is not only a rejection of the temptation to remain in the comfortable and safe company of his disciples or even to preserve his own life. With his words, Jesus put Peter in his place, both figuratively and literally. When he tells Peter, get behind me, Jesus uses the same words that he used to call his first disciples, saying to them, follow me. And it's the same words he used to teach discipleship, saying, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. With his rebuke, Jesus reminds Peter that he is a disciple, a follower of Jesus. With his protest, Peter tried to put his own thoughts ahead of God's ways. He tried to stand between Jesus and the calling on his life. So Jesus tells him, Peter, you've gotten ahead of yourself and me. Get behind me so that you can follow me. Don't be a stumbling block or an obstacle on the way. When we first hear Jesus' rebuke, the scolding sounds harsh. But Jesus doesn't break off his relationship with Peter. He doesn't send him away. He gets his attention, corrects him, calls him back to discipleship, back into relationships centered on God's will. Listening to Peter and Jesus, I wonder what I try to protect, thinking I am guarding things of God when I'm really protecting my human understanding and ideas. I wonder where I hold on too tight to what God has given me, placing my trust in the gifts instead of the giver. And I wonder too where my imagination is so limited that I cannot understand what God is doing. Public theologian Brian McLaren has said the gospel is a transformation plan, not an evacuation plan. It is focused not on airlifting souls to heaven, but on transforming lives so that we can be agents of God's will being done on earth as in heaven. I need Jesus 
to speak into my life and call me out when I fall to the temptation to be the guardian or gatekeeper or when I fail to see how God may be doing something entirely new even if it feels frightening and unpredictable to me. I need Jesus to remind me to follow him and to follow God's will. I also wonder where I fall to the temptation to play it safe and preserve my life or even the life of our congregation instead of following Jesus and suffering for the sake of the world. And where I lose sight of the promise that God is with me. Lutheran pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, silence in the midst of evil is evil. The gospel gives us as followers of Jesus an imperative to stand up speak out and show up to be witnesses against injustices that are happening in our world, even and perhaps especially when it means we will be uncomfortable or unpopular. These human things, intellectual knowledge and ideas, security and comfort, trick me into following devilish plans and draw me away from God and from following Jesus. These human things tempt me to put myself and my thoughts ahead of God's ways so that I can make something happen the way I want it to instead of trusting that God is present and events will unfold according to God's will. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't walk away from me in all of my humanity. Most of the time, he doesn't even scold me too harshly. He patiently and tenderly calls me back to what is holy, reminds me I am a beloved child of God, follower of his son, a disciple of this loving and merciful, abundantly gracious Lord and Savior. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who shows us how to serve in the world according to your way. And thank you for your loving rebuke when we put ourselves ahead of you. Help us to follow Jesus and trust in your will, even when we cannot make sense of what we see happening. Thank you for calling us to account when we try to limit your power and presence in our lives, give us courage and strengthen us to deny ourselves for your sake. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. <laughs>